Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. I believe that the presence of Jesus makes all the difference in the world. I really do. And what I want to do, I don't, I don't want to preach a long time. You don't need me to preach a long time. You have a powerful preacher for a pastor. But I just want to give you a little insight into three instances where Jesus showed up and talk just a moment about the difference his presence made when he showed up in different places. I love to walk with Jesus, and what we're going to do here in the next few moments, we're going to kind of walk with Jesus over several days of his life and when he kind of pops in to different places. John 4 verse 43 sets the stage, kind of gets us going on our journey. And it tells us that after two days, Jesus departed from there and headed and went to Galilee. He began a journey. You see, I believe if somehow this morning, in the next few minutes, we can get Jesus involved in our lives, that anything is possible. I don't think there's one problem that is so large that if we can somehow capture the attention of Jesus that a difference cannot be made. There's not one family represented here, no problem in a family, that if we can somehow get Jesus involved in it, that it cannot be made right. There's no one so addicted, no one so abused, no one so mistreated, that if somehow we can capture the gaze of Jesus and have Him get involved in our lives, that that situation cannot be turned around. I believe that with all of my heart today. Jesus had done a a time of ministry in Samaria. That's what we're reading here, where he left from. He had been in Samaria, and he'd had a time of great ministry there. And then he started on a journey back toward Cana. Cana, of course, is the place where his first miracle was done. Then after a brief stint in Nazareth, where he was born and grew up as a boy, he moved on to Capernaum, the place where we know, where when you read most of the ministry of Jesus in the New Testament, it took place in and around Capernaum. Now, all that happened on this journey, we have no idea. I don't know how many blind men received their sight. I don't know how many deaf men left hearing. I have no idea how many demonized people were delivered. The Bible doesn't give us all of those details. But I promise you this, wherever Jesus went, whatever little town or village or hamlet he happened to stop in, wherever Jesus went, his presence made the difference. Things were changed. Lives were different. No one was the same, all because he came and he made himself known unto men. Well, that's the story of the Bible anyway, that God comes down and makes himself known to us. That's what Christmas is all about. God came in flesh and made himself known, which is Emmanuel. God is with us. And because he is with us, nothing will ever be the same again in our lives. Amen. 
So what I want to do is just kind of drop in with Jesus on three different little visits here, okay? A few passages that let us in on the power and the glory of the Lord. I want you to know that he is present and see what, his different, what a difference his presence makes in a desperate situation. John chapter 4 and verse 46 through 54 give us these details. Jesus came again to Cana. Of Galilee, where he had made the water to wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick in Capernaum, where Jesus was eventually going. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went and implored him to come down to Capernaum and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. You see, some people will tell us that this man was the prime minister of Herod. Others will tell us that he was a relative, perhaps a cousin of Herod. Who he was is not necessarily important. What I want you to understand is that his position meant that he had money, he had wealth, he had ability and power, he had means at his disposal. You know that everything that could be done for his son had been done. This was not some poor guy who couldn't afford to go to the doctor. This was a multimillionaire who could go to any clinic in the world and be treated. And that's the kind of man we're here and we're meeting. But everything had failed. He was in a desperate spot because his money and his power and his means, his education, his political connections, none of that mattered because his son was at home dying. And there's going to come a time in everybody's life in this room you probably have already been there, as have I, where regardless of your resources, there's going to come a time when you need him, when you need something else, when you need more than money can get you. I know money can do a lot in this world, but I promise you there are times when money will fail you. And when you get to that place, you kind of got to get like this man was. He was rich and he was wealthy and he was, oh, I'm sure he was well respected and everybody kind of bowed when he walked by because he was a powerful man in the community. But I want you to look at what he did. He lost all means of, of social norms and conventions. He did not care what anybody else said about him. He came all the way up from Capernaum to try to get Jesus to go back and do something for his son. He had a need in his life that was so pressing that he didn't care what anybody else thought or what it took to get it done. You know, life will do that to you, won't it? Life has a way of coming around and knocking the starch out of us, doesn't it? Yeah. We think we're all together, and we think, Pastor, that we've got to put on this image, and we think that we've got it made, and then suddenly life comes up, a child does something, a spouse gets sick, an accident happens, we lose our job, COVID comes along, and it knocks the starch right out of us, and all of us who thought we had it all so together discover we have need of something more than than just what we can provide. I've come to talk to some people this morning. You may be at the end of your rope and you may feel like all that you've done is useless. It's fruitless. You've done all you can to take care. You know, I know some people, Pastor, let's just make it real and make it applicable today. I know some people who've done everything they can to keep from contracting COVID. They've worn masks. They've stayed in. They've had shots. They've done all they could possibly do and yet it still has struck them and it's 
instruct their family and they just don't know what to do and they're ready to throw up their hands in exasperation and just give up. Well, I can tell you what we're going to have to do. The Bible tells us this man, it says, implored the Lord to come down and heal his boy. That means he begged Jesus and he kept on begging him. As Jesus is walking by, the rich, powerful ruler comes up and says, I beg you, please, you got to come down. Oh, you got you got to. He gets down on his knees in front of him. Please stop and come down and go with me and heal my child. You see, nothing mattered more to him than that sick boy who was back at home. Some of us are just going to have to reach a point of desperation where we don't care what somebody across the aisle thinks or what somebody up in the balcony thinks or what somebody over there thinks. We're just so desperate. We've got to have a touch from God. Pastor, we don't care what anybody else thinks. We've got to reach out and touch the Lord as he's passing by. Amen. And he just began to beg him, please, Lord, you got to do something. you got to do something. You've got to help me in my situation. And here's what I find interesting in this little passage. The Bible tells us that Jesus rebuked them but listened to him. Think about that for a moment. If you go read the whole passage, you've got all kind of suddenly religious people who come and kind of get between the man and Jesus, and they tell the man, be quiet, shut up, go home. He's busy. And Jesus rebukes those who are trying to keep somebody to get to him, but he receives the man who comes to him. You see, if you think that church and that getting around the Lord and that the Bible is nothing more than a circus or it's something that's just there for your entertainment, you're going to hear a rebuke from the Lord. But if this morning you've come with passion, if you come with a need, if you come with brokenness and you say, I must have a touch from God, I promise you, he'll shove them out of the way. He'll receive you. You, and he'll hear what you have to say and your cry to him today. Just don't let them stop you from getting in, fa in the face of Jesus. Don't let somebody in church who doesn't want to get involved stop you from getting involved. Press on in and get a hold of Jesus and let the Lord make a difference in your desperate situation because I promise you he can. He spoke a word up here in Galilee in, in Cana and the word went all the way down there to Capernaum and the boy was healed instantly. Well, you and I, oh, hallelujah, right here at 940 this Sunday morning, August 1st, 2021, we can touch him and he can speak a word that'll go all the way across the planet and heal somebody and do something mighty. Amen. His presence in a desperate situation makes all the difference in the world. His presence in a dead situation makes all the difference in the world. Let's keep walking a little bit with Jesus now, okay? Let's, let's walk with him. In Luke chapter 4, verse 14 through 21, the story's there. I'll just read a couple of verses. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. This is after he's done this. He's... Luke's just giving us a little different insight. And news of him went out through the whole region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So this has happened up here in Cana. He's healed that nobleman's son. He's teaching in their synagogues. He keeps walking. Luke tells us next, he came to Nazareth. 
So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. They handed him the book of Isaiah and he read from there. Now let me, let me give you a little insight about how well they knew their scriptures. All of you have your Bibles and, and they've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They used to teach us that in children's church when I was a little boy in Sunday school growing up. At least 10 or 12 years ago when I was a little bitty boy growing up. They taught us to sing it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We used to sing Acts and the Possum Romans, but it was the, uh, the Apostle Roman. We have those markings, and it's chapter 1, verse 7. When Jesus was handed this scroll that day in the synagogue in Nazareth, the book of Isaiah was on this long scroll, probably as long as from me to the drum case. They would roll it up. And the Hebrew writing was so small. There was no punctuation. There was no division, no chapters, no verses. It was just, it started here and it ended there. So you had to know it well enough to unroll it to the place you wanted to go. So Jesus unrolled this 30 to 40 foot long scroll and went about four or five feet down and he started reading about Isaiah saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor, to bring deliverance to the captives, set at liberty those who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he read that scripture to them, and then he added this commentary. Today, that's fulfilled in your midst. Oh, hallelujah. He said, let me let you in on a secret. Today, I am the fulfillment of that scripture. Hallelujah. Can you imagine how they must have felt when a boy whom they had taught said, by the way, I'm the fulfillment of that. They would go through all their stuff. They would read it. They would have liturgies. They would have prayers. They would have all that. And then at the end, someone would read and speak. And the sermon that day was really short. I am the fulfillment of this passage. You know what this does? This lets us know a little bit about what ought to happen in church. How many of you believe that Jesus knows what ought to happen in church, right? Yeah. This is what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be a place of spiritual power. Not just words, but anointing. Power to do something, not just talk about it, but power to see something done. For he stood and he read and he spoke as one who had authority and power, not like the scribes and the Pharisees are. Amen. 
Church is about setting captives free. That's why we are here. That's why power is needed. Oppressed people need deliverance. Do you hear me today? Oppressed people need to be delivered. People bound in sin need to be set free. People grappling with the enemy need deliverance. And my words are not enough. We're not clever enough. We are not articulate enough. We are not well versed enough. We don't have enough oratorical ability. I can't find enough good stories to change a drug addict. But I promise you, one word spoken from heaven can break the bondage of the enemy and can set people free today. That's why we need his presence in a church because we come in here and people bring their needs and they're bound and they have problems. Oh, if you've come this morning, maybe I'm talking to somebody in this room and you need to be delivered. You need to be set free. I promise you this Jesus is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything I can ask or think according to that power that is at work in here today and he can set you free. Hallelujah. And there's also supposed to be I'm going to call it a standing in freedom. He preached about the acceptable year of the Lord. Now we know that as a reference to the Jubilee year, every 50 years in Old Testament history. Every 50 years, everybody's set free. Every 50 years, property goes back to families. Every 50 years, debts are canceled. Every 50 years, we start at ground zero. That's what God set up. One of the reasons he judged Israel so harshly was that they refused to do that. They got greedy, and they refused to do that because they didn't want to lose everything. Everyone could walk in freedom in in the year of Jubilee. You see, the presence of Jesus in the church is more than just a nice glow or a warm, cozy feeling. The presence of Jesus in the church is an invasion into the kingdom and the domain of the devil in a person's life and the subsequent walk out of that victory in that individual's life. It's not just enough for someone to come here and pray and repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. I want you to wash me in the blood and write my name in heaven and then forget about it. No, that's the starting point. From there, it's walking that out and learning how to live in victory and live in freedom. While we gather here for the teaching of a pastor as great as Pastor Kumar, it's so that we can learn to grow in the freedom and in the liberty of the Lord. But I promise you this, my friend. God wants you to grow and to be free and to walk in the freedom wherewith the Lord has set you free. Amen. That's what church is about. Now, I know a lot of churches don't want to hear this. They didn't care for it there. You know why I know they're a dead church? Because in Luke 4, 28, it says those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. They got so mad they wanted to kill him. I mean, they actually did try to murder him, but he just kind of slipped away and kept on going forward. Don't you let a dead church stop you from finding God's glory. Don't you let a bunch of we don't want that stuff around here keep you from finding God's glory. Don't you let a bunch of lukewarm people around you keep you from going after the glory of the Lord. Because if you can't find him where you are, find him somewhere else. But I'm telling you, you're at a place where you can find the Lord today. You're in a place where today, right now, this morning, you can find the glory of the Lord that will not only set you free, but will help you to stand in the freedom wherever the Lord has touched you. Amen. His presence in a dead place 
will bring life. Let's talk thirdly. He just kept marching. They wanted to kill him. He kept moving on. Matthew 4.13 says, And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled that was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people, listen, this is important, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. So Jesus goes to Capernaum where he will spend the majority of his ministry just kind of going in and out a few times. He goes to Capernaum, which at one time had belonged to the two tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun. If you go back to the Old Testament, when they came in, this was an area north and west of the Sea of Galilee. This was their inheritance, but they had lost it. They had lost it. The Assyrians had invaded and obliterated them, wiped them out. By the time Jesus was going to Capernaum, at least 50% of the population was Gentile. There were Egyptians, Phoenicians, there were Arabs, there were Hebrews. But there were people from all over the world, pagans, who inherited now and lived in this place that once had been a stronghold for God. So now, anyone who wants to go and worship Jehovah, anyone who wants to go and sing, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the other most, makes me want to shout hallelujah, Anybody who wanted to go and do that might be next door to a pagan temple that offered child sacrifice. You passed pagan temples that were nothing more than brothels, houses of sexual debauchery. As you and your children, and they walked, of course, back then, as you walked down the street to go to the synagogue to worship, you took your children past places where worship was a drunken orgy. It had become a very, very dark place. Sounds a lot like where we're headed here, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like what America has become. It sounds a lot like what Europe and, and parts of the world there have already become. It sounds a lot like what some of, your, uh, some of you from India, you, you understand this. You pass pagan places to go to houses of worship. We're just coming to this in America, and a lot of people are thinking, oh, the church will die because, oh, it's going to be, no, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're just going to keep on going to our houses of worship, and we're just going to keep on worshiping the Lord in the middle of a dark place. Amen? 
That's what they did. That's what they had to put up with. And into all of this mixture walked the light of the world. I mean, here he comes. He's been up in Cana, and now he's down in Nazareth, and now he goes into this, and all this stuff walks Jesus. And here's the quote that the writer makes. Matthew quoted Isaiah 9, 1 and 2. He said, Matthew said, the people sat in darkness, and they sat in the shadow of death. Isaiah, though, said that people walked in darkness and walked in the shadow of death. What's going on, Pastor? I'll tell you what's happening. By the time Jesus shows up, they had given up. They weren't trying to walk out of it anymore. They just kind of sat down in it and said, whatever will be, will be. But Jesus came and found them in a dark place. Jesus came and invaded the domain of the devil. I've come to tell you this morning, I want you to listen to me. No one is too hopeless for him. No one is too bound for him. None of your babies are so far gone. None of your grandchildren are so far from the faith. None of them are so sat down in iniquity that this Messiah, this light, this God of all gods cannot walk into where they are and shine great light into their lives. I just want you to know today, I want some grandfather in here to know your granddaughter's not so far gone that Jesus can't walk into her life. Hey, Mom, your son's not so far away. He may be a long distance from you, but he's not so far away that he who walked into a place filled with darkness cannot walk into their lives. And it may be grueling and grinding, and it will be. To be honest, it will be. But he's able to cause those who have sat down in darkness and given up see a great light and understand there is a better way. I want to pray for you and pastor will come and close out the service. I just want to give you hope this morning. I just want somebody here to have hope today. I want some mama to have hope today. I want some father to have hope today. Come on, stand with me. Father, I I thank you this morning. I thank you today, Lord, that in our desperate situations, you can show up and speak a word. That in our dead situations, you've come to reveal yourself. 
The Lord in our dying spots, you're able, oh God, our dark places, to raise us up and give us light and give us hope. I pray this morning for this beautiful congregation. I pray, Lord, that moms and dads and brothers and sisters will be renewed and refilled with hope and understanding that it is not too far gone, that you're still able. You're still able. And, Lord, I pray for just a moment here, Father. I pray that if there's someone standing in this room who does not know you, they're sitting in that place of darkness, Jesus, shine your light on them right now. And draw them to you. Help them to respond to you, to call on your name, to, to, to turn to you and away from useless idols, but to turn their lives to you and to, to be found saved, to be washed in the blood this morning. I pray, Lord, that if there's one here in the room who needs to be saved, that right now they'll cry out to you. Lord, they'll cry out to you. That They'll reach out to you. If they're bound in darkness and they want to be set free, Lord, let them cry out and reach out to you right now. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.